Hey everyone, welcome to episode 71 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, and Greg can barely contain himself even for a couple seconds before he joins the team, so I know, but it's good. Uh, this week we're going to begin with just a quick announcement and an update about this week upcoming. That'll be the 17th, a week from when you're listening to this. We're going to be doing Facebook Live as kind of an addendum to the podcast, and there's still a few kinks we're working out. But essentially, when we go live next week, it'll be approximately 4.15, 4.30, something like that. So if you want to mark that down in your calendar, and you will also see that in the Florida Hospital Church Facebook feed, I believe this week, Tony will put an announcement there that you can actually put a little event reminder so that it will remind you that that is upcoming. And what we're going to try to do is for people that maybe aren't of the podcast persuasion, we're going to invite you and allow you to join the conversation visually. And of course, you can uh, join in the conversation by using the comment section under the live video feed and join us each week. And we're going to be doing that for at least four weeks in a row just to kind of see how that goes. And then possibly after that, uh, going at a different time, but those details will flesh themselves out as we go. Last week, our episode was entitled What Gets You In by Greg Creek, where we decided very simply... He's a no-talent hack. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, we decided something else. <laughs> yeah, we decided that baptism doesn't get you in. Jesus does. I, I like that one that's, better. That's right. That's, that's right. Nice. Yeah, you Jesus were good. Jesus gets you in. <laughs> yeah, that was a subplot, I think. <laughs> the subplot. So if you have not listened to that message, as is always the case, we will invite you to go back and listen to the miss. Listen to the message or the message, whichever one you prefer, on the church website, hospitalchurch.org, or the church mobile app, which is, of course, the easiest way to do that. On to this week. Our speaker is not with us today. Oh. Andy bailed on us. How about that? Mm-hmm. He, he knew that he was going to need some correction. So oh, oh, just, oh, okay. Jeff and I are here to tell you what he really meant to say. Oh, okay. And then he's going to tune in later and get the... <clears throat> yeah, apparently. This yeah. is a teaching... We're going to have him listen to it tomorrow <laughs> during a staff teaching. meeting. <laughs> It's a teaching episode. But th- <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy, see what happens when you don't show oh, up. Uh, In Andy's defense, he is at a uh, at a board meeting board for meeting some for one of the many boards that he's edible. On. Is it edible ed? Yeah, edible ed. ed. Well, that's probably a little I'm bit. Sure, of fun our anyway. listeners wanted to know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, this week the in, the message was entitled "By Faith Alone," and I'm pretty sure this week again we are in need of. Maybe just a little bit, I don't know, make sure we're starting on the right foot, making sure we're really understanding what we're talking about, because it seems maybe just a little bit confusing to some. Maybe to me, too. I'm not, I'm not really sure. So I just want to make sure we're on solid footing with what we're really talking about. Andy started out by saying the last day of this month, October 31st, marks the 500th anniversary of the beginning of what we know as the Protestant Reformation. It was the day that Martin Luther, the professor of theology at Wittenberg University, nailed his 95 thesis to the church door and put the Roman Catholic Church on notice regarding what he believed to be errors in the teaching, in their teaching, and practice of the Christian faith. All right, so just so I'm clear, what was and what is a Protestant, and are those still the same definition from long ago and today? Hmm, Yeah, pretty much they're the same I mean, back then it was a protestant, you know, one who protested in their minds the church. Sure. The way it was, you know, the way it was set up. So – Is that what we're still protesting today? 
Well, it's a, it's kind of a given name now, Protestant. We you know we we don't we took the protest <laughs> out for some. So we took the protest out <laughs> <laughs> and uh, softened it up. But it's you know you've got uh, there's still a distinction between in Christian realm the Protestant and the Catholics. Okay, I mean I ask simply because I also over oh, a long time people that don't really realize that there was the protest was part of the Reformation Protestant that it, it's not. I've heard that a lot, and I was oh, kind of, really? I was kind of surprised. I was like, "Well, they were protesting," and they're like, "What were they protesting?" I don't I don't get it. Is that that that's what Protestant means? And <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." So I'm like, "Well, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong." So that's why we just want to make well, sure we're it, setting. Well, things it's in interesting. Motion. The beginning that was not Martin Luther's. That was not his gig, right? He wasn't really wanting to move out of the church, which is what became a schism between uh, reformers and yeah and. Um, Mainline, I guess you'd call them, but um, he really, truly wanted to make reforms within the church, and obviously that didn't really didn't, set well. Didn't work real well. Yeah. So that was really so. Why was the Reformation, at least in his eyes, why was it necessary? What was at the base of what he found in, or what he decided were errors in their teachings? Well, there was quite a few, right? Ninety five. Ninety five. I mean, that's right. So, and uh, a, a lot. You know, of course, it goes down to the his core. Is this this what we talked about this last week? Is righteousness yeah. by faith and faith alone as sort of his? That's sort of the flagship. So maybe we still are protesting because essentially that seems like that's still a pretty hot, pretty good hot button issue, and well, for many people. Yeah. Well, I just want to say real quick, like what's really okay. interesting though is that the ninety five theses had little to do with like right. like salvation by faith and like that piece it had to do with money right and so you hit somebody's pocketbook and that's when things get feisty right because he had been talking about the need for reform in the church and you know just kind of wrestling with this idea that he was finding about you know justification yeah and that didn't really get any traction and then when he nailed the 95 theses you know to the door it was it had to do with the indulgences and so it was like whoa 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 hold on <laughs> yeah. we've got a problem now <laughs> yeah. and and it caused the split like jeff said that that luther never wanted he never like he i mean he he was truly sad about um the you know the split that happened yeah. and i think he'd probably if he were alive today i don't think he would maybe be happy about you know how how wide the schism. Had yeah, grown. the I don't want to say relatively young because it really wasn't young in our in our way of thinking, but the Roman Catholic Church had taken up the selling of indulgences, kind of midway through their history. It wasn't something that the Catholic Church had in the beginning, and so I think Martin Luther was just trying to say, "Hey, this practice that we've picked up, let's bring it back around. Let's let yeah, let yeah. let's hold off now because it's becoming abused. It's you know, it's it's becoming a part of what never was meant to be. And um, and Greg's right. As soon as it became a money issue, nobody was jumping on the idea. <laughs> I mean, he did. He have he had lots of followers even back then, and then of course afterwards about righteousness by faith. But the Catholic Church wasn't worried about that. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of secondary. Well, yeah. it's interesting because along with the kind of misunderstanding about, oh, the Protestant and the protest and all that, I found people that think Martin Luther is the same person as Martin Luther King Jr., and that's not true. It's just I, – I thought that was really odd. I'm like, 
You know, I mean, Where are you this, going this, with is, this? This, this is no, but this is recent. And I'm just like, you know, just because Martin Luther, they have, you know, parts of the same name, not the same person, just to make sure that we're all clear that this is about 400 uh, yeah. years difference. Yeah. yeah difference this guy was there. both like, in a way longed. kind of reformers, right? Right. There no. So, go. and maybe that's where the confusion and obviously the name similarities, yeah. but it is interesting that that was his name. Yeah. I don't know how and, he got the name yeah. either. So I yeah. thought about the same thing and maybe to research that, but yeah. I didn't get to it. But as Andy moved along, I thought, you know, Romans 3.28, we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. And then he went into Philippians 3.9, I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And, you know, you you start reading these verses and then Galatians uh, 2.21, for if we could be saved by keeping the law, then there was no need for Christ to die. And as you read these... For a lot of us, these are texts that we read and, and we've we've heard and we've probably memorized them at some point during right, during right. our lives. But I mean, how is it possible then? You know, five hundred years later, we read these words and then you know that say the, then there was no need for Christ to die and still reach down and look for those reassuring bootstraps that are just so comfortable sometimes when we want to have a piece of this journey and a piece of the credit or a piece of the yeah. of the work I, I you know that seems it seems hard as greg and i were listening to this you know sermon it, it, this really is a sermon that andy doesn't need a note on this has been andy's mantra i think from day 1 and i think our members and listeners and those who have followed any of the messages of this church i think this would be probably the the most underscoring type of mantra that that we've ever uh, heard preach because Andy is is emphatic and I think all of us look at this and we say no there's nothing we can add to what Christ has already done to us and there's nothing that's going to make him love us more or less so so this was a sermon that I think um Andy wanted to be extremely clear on I think all of us need to be clear on this but sure, sure. But there is Uh-oh. a prevailing um, <laughs> mindset, uh, and I'm not—I'll just say within our own church. Yeah. Uh, speaking on the denomination, I should call it that, uh, to where we have some part in that that equation. Kind of like he said, the yeah. 99% leaves just oh, yeah. enough room for the 1% of your personal law-keeping abilities and just a little bit of room, 1% for good deeds. Yeah. Just a little bit. And, and somehow that seems comforting, but then when you read it, I'm reading it right now on my screen, and it's not comforting at all. So no. it's not. So why? But still, why does that feel like sometimes that's what we want to go to? Is we feel so good when we do something, like wow, I, I overcame something, or I did something that I'm not usually very good at. Maybe that's empathy or compassion, or you know, you do something right, and you go, man, I feel pretty good. But why does that immediately get equated sometimes to, well, uh, you know? I, kind of took Jesus by the arm here and we're we're walking this baby in together, you know? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I think one, there's the fight that we have with the human condition, right, of pride and ego, um, that it's something that I did, it's a work that I accomplished. And I mean, I think to a certain extent, it's it's who God created us to be, right? That he invited us from the very beginning, from the outset, from Adam and Eve, to be co-creators, that there was this creative element that God, you know, wanted us to do, that he wanted us to be engaged hmm you know, in the things that we do, and that as he gave Adam work to do in the garden, right, even in the perfection of Eden, you know, there was still yeah. work to do, and that it was something that I know for me, some days, 
it's hard and the work that I do, I can't always get to the end of the day and be like, this is what I did, right? <laughs> but there's yeah. other days where it's like where I have something tangible and concrete. It's like, man, I did that today, you know? And there is some, I think, healthy pride and healthy satisfaction sure. that comes from, you know, putting your hand to something. So I think there's that piece, but I think we war, you know, with pride and, and ego be, becoming a problem. So I think there's that piece. You know, I think there's also, you know, this piece that, that Satan, I think, will sometimes use and kind of challenge us to get that in there, to really draw us away, to misplace the attention and to misplace the focus, right? And and I think sometimes that that mindset is, well, I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be like, you know, one of those like cheap grace people, right? Because if faith saves me, then all I need is faith. And then like I can, I'm, I'm good to go. And, and I think we have like, we train ourselves to be like, oh, well, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> and that's not what Andy was advocating for. Of course. It's not what I'm advocating for. But I think that when it, it's, you know, when you take that thing and you make like salvation and you make that about, like the things that I do, like we we miss what it's about. We miss the fact that it's it's relationship. Because as soon as you start feeling comfortable, then immediately your Bible should immediately somehow open automatically to James, right? Because as soon as you start feeling good about you know what Paul keeps over and over reassuring that it is through Christ alone. Because if not, there was no need for Christ to die, right? I mean that's it's pretty clear. Then with James, it's like, hey, don't don't just rest on your laurels and don't think you've got everything figured out. And there's things that you still need to do. And and I think that that sometimes makes that inner conflict within ourselves to make sure that, well, no, like you said, I want to be that good person. I want to be involved. So it just seems like that's a really really thin line to walk. That if like you want, it's like it's not even wider than your foot because when you're walking that line, like half your foot is, man, that felt pretty good. And the other half of your foot's like, oh, Jesus, thank you, right? So it's, it seems to me that when I'm looking at it, when I'm trying to walk that line, like almost like your both sides of your foot have to somehow land a little bit on each side to keep you balanced. But I like that Andy really doubled down biblically after those other verses in Galatians 5 and verses 1 through 4, where he says, so Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And just to make sure that it wasn't like just, you know, Andy up there, you know, <laughs> like I know this stuff and I, you know, I'll just give it to you straight. And the text really does lay it out. And I'm always waiting after someone is in this message, they're preaching this sermon, and I'm always waiting for like that next thing to be you get a front row ticket to Christians gone wild. You know, everyone's well, just going crazy, and, and you know, you know, we're we're nuts because it's it's we don't have to do anything now, right? That's because that's the downside. That's that watered down grace that people always seem to follow that message with. But the reality is, even though the law and if we we adhere to it can't save us, it still does hold value for a better way of living our life, right? Yeah, well, and you brought up James, which is, you know, that's sort of the flagship for those people who want to believe we've got a, <laughs> we have we've to got a part to play <laughs> that we're in that equation. And I do think, you know, of course, James was written after Romans. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was a backlash from this freedom and liberality that Paul was, that people were, you know, just able to just say, oh, I can, I can just not do anything and just... Yeah. Move forward, and I think James is helping them understand. No, no, no. It, you're right. The, the works don't save you, but you're going to know who your what your faith is in by the the things that you do, how you live, and, and I think that's the piece that's important. We don't do it because we 
want God's favor or because we want to be in the kingdom or because we want God to, you know, change our status. Those are there because they're a natural outgrowth of of our faith and what, what is there. And people will realize that that's who we serve because of that lifestyle, because yeah. of love, because of those things. But we should never put those things as the first. That's what we do for, you know, that's what... That's how we live our lives because we're worried about our salvation. One of the things that I wrestled with with his sermon was this idea that how does it change my life, mm-hmm. right? And I think yeah. it's this idea of like when we really stop and think about all that Christ has done for us, like how does that change and alter what we do, you know? And and how like how is that gratitude reflected in our life? How does that shape and influence the decisions that we make? And I think there's a lot of times in my life where I just don't celebrate and glory in all that Christ has done for me and that I don't allow that reflection and that awesome gift that he's given to, sh- to shape what I do and that I lose track of, of really the things that matter and what's important. And it comes down to this thing of, oh, y- yeah, okay, Christ gave me this awesome thing. But anyway, back to all these things that I need to do. And, you know, <laughs> instead of saying, like, all in light of all that he's done for me, like, how does that shape what I do? And I think, you know, Andy talked about that towards the end of his message, you know, of this yeah. idea of, like, if you truly ponder what it is, it should be, I mean, <laughs> it should be one of those things that causes Christians it's to go wild. wild, you know, that <laughs> yeah. it, the Christians and non-Christians, you know, people who hear sure. this truth, the gospel, right, the good news, as it's known, the evangelion, like the good news, and mm-hmm. and we don't, I think, always treat it like the good news. And I just wonder if we had more of the emphasis on the good news and this concept of faith alone, how that would change, like this conversation of faith and works. Yeah, yeah. I think it changes our behavior. I mean, I think uh, you go back to the original story, uh, the story of of how sin came in being, and it's trust. I mean, it, you know, we just have this really hard deal of trying to trust God, even in the Christian gone wild aspect. I mean, the fact that I can trust God with this gift of, of faith and, and what it means to me. And uh, to be able to just say, I am going to live my life trusting that God's got this taken care of. Eve, the analogy of what's going on in the garden is you got this entire garden with God every day in, the, in it with you. And you chose to take this one area there's just this one little spot. Yeah. And and that's sort of in a way what we do today. You know, we just we want desperately for God to be a part of our lives. We say that and then all of a sudden we go, "But not this part." <laughs> no, not over here. Yeah. yeah. One of our FHE takeaways as we wrap up as we're quickly running out of time asked, "What do you think about not being able to mix a little law keeping with a little of Jesus righteousness to make us good with God?" And not really looking for any feedback here necessarily. Although we always welcome your input, but a more of a challenge to really take some time to think on and pray over this whole idea if it isn't one of your core values yet, just like what Greg mentioned, just letting coming at that from a different perspective to really see it as the good news and to really revel in it and let it kind of guide and change what you do and how you live your life. And for the second week in the row, we are going to wrap up with a single sentence. You 
by faith alone are justified. If you forget everything else, just go back to the one sentence and it has all the answers that you need to know. So upcoming this week is going to be the next Sola part in this. Grata. Sola gratias, right? We talked about this. <laughs> yeah, we did talk Latin, about Italian, this. Latin, Italian, Spanish. Yeah. Sola gratias. I still don't know what we're talking so. about, unfortunately. By grace. Grace. By grace. Grace okay. alone. All right. Grace alone. Yeah. All right. So maybe we'll catch Andy next week and we will catch all of you on Facebook Live. So go to the church Facebook page and there'll be a event that you can join and that will remind you to catch us next week and you can actually see all of our faces that were meant for radio right there on the screen. <laughs> so until next Wednesday in episode 72, this is Randy for Greg, Jeff, and Tom saying thanks for joining us and we will see you then.